Welcome back, y'all. This is I've Got Questions. I'm back. This is Jeremy Jagger, and I am the host of this show. Um, how you guys doing? Ladies, gents, themers, how's everyone doing? Happy to have you back here. Um, I definitely wanted to get into some uh, thoughts, and, and of course, we're going to get into news as always, but as you know, as of recent, um, I'll just kind of start with a, a little monologue talking about what I, f- I feel really um, about things that may be not in the news. Um, a post uh, came up on Instagram the other day, or yesterday actually, and um, I believe it was on like the Melanin Shade Room or something like that. Something, one of those um, more black-centered... Uh, blogs that are on Instagram, excuse me, um, I'm, I have some tea right in front of me that I've been sipping on, some really good tea actually, it's got some orange and stuff and things and, of that nature inside of it, um, but I was on this uh, this blog and they were talking about, there was a post I guess by a female um, who was upset that her man or the, the father of her child, um, you know, didn't have milk in the refrigerator. And she was pretty much saying, you know, why is it that the mother always has to have the milk in the, uh, and bring the milk to the father when it's time to drop the baby off, you know, for that weekend or, or whatnot. And um, pretty much my, my response was, you know, when are women going to be holding themselves pretty much accountable for the type of men that they decide to have children with. And it spurred off a a flurry of messages. Um, uh, I I wish I had my exact uh, (laughs) comment, but the comment was kind of like, you know, you've heard the songs, you've watched the movies, and you're still having babies with men who, who just ain't up to it, you know, and you know it. And um, there was a bunch of, of women who responded. And of course, the thought was, is that I'm blaming women. And it's just a sad, sad, small thought. And it's just very surface to get into that kind of thought and to think that me saying that you need to be more responsible of who you have a child with is blaming women. Um, that's very small and it's very surface. Uh, and I told a few people, you know, I'm not blaming women. I'm, I'm truly not. I'm saying that there are ways you can find out that a man is not worthy of being a parent. Uh, I come from a single mother. Um, I know where that, 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 or I know that life. Um, I know a mother who wasn't happy and, and, and things of that nature and, you know, probably didn't want to have a child at that time and didn't, you know, had to work and, and all the stresses of that. And, you know, she, I mean, luckily there was my grandmother, my grandfather, and my mother had, you know, other family members that um, chipped in, I guess, you know, to help out um, when she had to work and whatnot. But there was still litigating uh, factors that, you know, back then I could, you know, I can understand but as in today's world, I can't understand, you know, um, especially with social media and things of that nature where you see that a man is 
inappropriate. You know, um, back in the day, you know, I don't know how my mother could have really, really, I mean, she could have seen certain things, you know, and, and how my quote unquote father, um, you know, didn't give her the attention, um, that would be necessary. And, and like I said, back then I could really understand because you, communication was totally, totally different. Um, you know, but looking back or, or being able to look back now and knowing that my father pretty much had the same type of trajectory with women, um, because I found, you know, that I have a sister and pretty much her mom went through the same kind of thing. You know, I understand that, but when you come to today's world, you cannot still be saying he just lied to me and said he was going to be there for me. You can't. And if you do, you're just being stupid. And that's something that you must hold yourself accountable for because you're bringing a child into this world and the stress of it bears on the child as well, not just the the mother. You know, not having a father, uh, seeing your mother go through all those things, seeing your mother work hard and not being able to really um, nurture you the way, you know, some other mothers probably could. Um, that's something that that child is going to have to go through because you're not being responsible as well. Being able to have sex and just fuck and letting someone nut inside of you is not the wave anymore. If he's, you know, when someone's going to come, you know, what happens when someone comes, you know that, and you're still doing it. That's impossible. That's stupid. Okay, that's not the way you should be living your life. There are many ways. Uh, see how he treats others. If you if you can't see uh, that a person is the type of person that they are by how they treat others, then you're just being blind. You're just letting your blindness fool you. Seeing how he treats other children, or if he has other children, seeing how he treats those children. Those are ways that you find out what type of parent you're going to co-parent with. And co-parent doesn't mean, um, you know, be separate. You know, I think that to, in today's world, we have a world where, you know, we do force or project the thought of women raising children by themselves. And that that's a norm. That's become a norm. And it is uh, projected through various things. We see it all the time. We see it with relationships. We see it uh, how people cheat and there's sneaky links and things that's so stupid. You know, I, I'm reading a post yesterday about someone saying that their sneaky link is upset that they don't want to meet their friends. And it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing in your life that you you're not even in a relationship and you're having a sneaky link? And y'all, y'all have these common conversations where you're arguing over meeting parents, just be in a relationship and stop being so damn afraid. Stop always looking for the out. That's what I feel like a lot of people do nowadays is just look for an out or not, or actually uh, look for a way not to be in. How about that? Right? Where they're in something where they have to be committed and that's being projected everywhere through music, through uh, movies, and like I said, these streaming platforms and uh, the way we uh, uh, see media nowadays is not the way that uh, we always intended. 
um, I pretty much really believe that um, it's unfortunate that that a lot of people are having to watch or or hear these kind of things and not be supervised. You know, when you listen to these songs over and over and they're talking about cheating, they're talking about having sneaky links, you know what I mean? Um, There are people out there who really believe that that's a type of lifestyle, not that it's just a song and not that it's just entertainment. And that's why when we don't hold people accountable for for releasing this type of music or that the radio programmers and and things of that nature don't have uh, don't have to be accountable that's a problem to me you know the the family has been broken down by many of these things we see in the media you know where we're always talking about people cheating we're always talking about uh someone stepping out on their wife or stepping out on their husband that's like a a normal story that's front page news so it's in everyone's head well not everyone because it's not in my head i'm a monogamous person i like to be with one person um you know it's in a lot of people's heads that this is normal you know uh yeah back in the day and hundreds of years ago yeah there were people who were in many relationships or had many wives many husbands whatever that's fine but you also have people in this world who don't want that and there are ways to find that out by talking to them, by actually having conversations, the hard conversations. If you can't have a hard conversation with someone, why in the hell would you be in a relationship with them, much less have a child with them? Take that guy to Lamaze class, even before you guys conceive a baby. That's how you see whether or not he's going to be committed. You can't have someone who can't pay bills, can't show up on time, can't do all these things, and then say, I thought he was going to be a good father. That's stupid. That is dumb. And you're being dumb saying it out loud. Excuse me. And I felt like a, a drop mic moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it just is what it is. And you have to hold yourself accountable. If I'm going to get in a relationship, like I was thinking about, and I'm just going to be like, you know, this is a very personal show. Um, I'm very personal in the show. And I talk about lots of things in my own life. I'm not just on here spewing thoughts and, and not really uh, living them. If I want to have sex with my ex, which rhymes, um, <laughs> I can do that. But I know what I'm there for. I know for me personally, it's for pleasure, right? I'm not going to get back with my ex because my ex was a cheater, right? If <laughs> Years ago, years ago. I don't know if my ex is still a cheater or not, but I remember the sex and the sex was good. So I want to have sex with my ex. That's what. That's a thought that I've, I've had recently. <laughs> it just is. But I'm not like, oh, well, maybe... My ex has changed so much and, you know, I don't even know that. So why would I go into anything thinking that way when I don't know if you've done the due diligence, if you've got therapy, if you've gone and do done the work on yourself to be a better person today? No, if you and, and, and just because I don't know that I'm regulating the thought to this is just, you know what I mean? So 
if you're going to have sex with a person and uh, let them nut inside of you and, and you know, uh, you know, when, like I said, you know, when someone's coming, you definitely know if you just want to make sure that your partner is pleasured and, you know, because uh, no one really likes to pull out. Let's just be honest. I don't. <laughs> but. There are other ways to make sure the pleasure is it keeps keeps going, right? Either you do something with your hand or you do something with your mouth. You know what I mean? Like you do the uh, extra things, but what you don't do is let them come inside you and pretend like you don't know what's next. And you know, a lot of people don't believe in abortion, and which is your your right. Um, and if you do, then, you know, you know, the, the things to do or plan B, things of that nature. Um, there are ways to stop going forward with, with the thought of, oh, well, now I have a child, you better be there. That's not a real thought anymore. That's not a real thing anymore. It's something that's of the nineties. It's something that is of. Oh, excuse me. The the early 2000s. You know what I mean? It's not here. And if you just keep holding on to that thought and only that thought without doing due diligence and having some sense of sensibility, it's on you as well. You know, there's this huge thing about and, and especially uh, black women hating black men. It's here. And, it's, and I've talked about it before that a lot of women or black women are really starting to hate black men, the violence on, on women and all those things, those things, I, I get it, but I don't think that we should be writing off black men as just one type of thing. When we know that there, there's violence everywhere. We know that the most violent people are not black, by the way. I mean, come on. We're only 12% of the population. We're not the most violent. <laughs> we're, we're just not. You know, that's what's projected, but that's not the actual uh, reality. So you have to do due diligence. You cannot just walk around and say, well, you had sex with me. We, you know, you came inside of me. You should be bearing the responsibility. You know what that person is. You know how that person is. You know how they act with other people. You see them with children. You see them with animals. Those are things that, those are ways, I should say, that you can find out the type of person that you're going to be in a relationship with. And if you just choose not to, then it's also on you. It just is. It's a matter of fact, and I'm not going to back down from that. I, I just won't. You know, it's not about blaming women. It's about holding everyone in this situation accountable. You must hold yourself accountable. You can't just blame someone for for walking out on you and not doing the right thing when you knew how they were. That's just like having a friend that's an asshole. You will be affected by the asshole at some point in time. If you keep closing your eyes to an asshole, you're going to get shit on you. <laughs> you're just going to. And I didn't write that. I just <laughs> had it in my head and just came out. Okay? If you keep closing your eyes to an asshole, you're going to get shit on you. And that's it. We'll be back. All right. And we are back. This is I've Got Questions. We're going to get right into it. Uh, I've got a bunch of news topics to talk about. Um, um, lots of things there we need to get into. So 
let's just start this up. I saw the story about um this brave woman woman who um beat the hell out of this guy for attacking um herself and another female uh security guard defense hotel clerk who was attacked by a man the expression nothing good happens after 2 a.m and this backs that up it was around that time that a man believed to be a marine showed up at a hotel not believed to he was a marine what and you know what the thing you know i stopped things very 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 quickly um this is something i just actually read about um not read about i mean i i know this already but you know there was a post about it where when there's a black um criminal they they don't fluff it you know here you have a white criminal and they fluff it immediately believed to be a marine no and why why i'm saying that is because you know there are plenty of army people um who get away with things including murder and rape and um they don't want to put that on to the military um which is you know i think that's gross that you're trying to fluff the military and and we're going to get into a story right after this actually about uh no we're not we're going we're, we're going to talk we're, we'll talk about that in a moment um actually let me let me move this up we'll talk about it next so we can keep in line of what 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 i mean by that um yeah i just don't like the 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 fluffing that that goes on when it when it comes to white males or uh the military or police adamant that he had a reservation the hotel says it didn't exist and that led to a smackdown with the security guard and he messed with the wrong lady it's a confrontation between a petite woman who works at a hotel and a muscular dude, reportedly a Marine. And guess who won? The lady. And here she is. Ronnie Toms works security at the Pacific Terrace Hotel. In She's a hero. This is what you, this is what you call a hero. Uh, this one, this idiot man, this, this crazy psycho man racist also uh he's definitely a racist for the things that he said to her and i like i said i saw the story before um this is a i never saw this interview uh with uh the the, the hero um but he he alluded to the fact that he knows where she's from that she's from the hood and that he'll take care of her um you know this is a, a thought that you know many of those types think about us and um sure think it because what's going to happen is that hood that you 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 think you know so much about because you watch uh white vloggers going to the to to the hoods of of atlanta and new york and chicago and they film a little video and you feel like oh i could take that person on this is what what you got san diego how tall are you i'm five five she says she stepped in when the guy went face to face with a hotel employee because they couldn't find a reservation he claimed to have. You need to leave. You. Then things really got nasty. Please don't touch her. Don't touch her, bro. Don't touch her. And then he comes after me and he attempts to slap me, but I put my hand up. So. Okay. See that? I know where you're from. I know you where you're from. What's up? Then he starts putting his hands in like a, a ready to box her kind of thing. I know where you're from. I know where you're from. And then you're going to box this black female. Sure. What's up? What's up? 
all he has to do is just hit me one time right. and make contact one time and I'm knocked out. Right. So I had to treat it like a life or death situation. You have to. She reached for the nearest object she could find. Any, any time you interact with these types of men, you have to think life or death because you don't know what they're capable of because they've been allowed to do these things for years upon years and get away with it. All right. This is the this is the one time we get to see it live in action as it happened. And where's the damn hotel video? We've never seen that. Where where you know why haven't you released that? Um, whatever. I think it's a Marriott. The result. The little lady knocked out the marine. After he was on the ground and I saw that he was like no longer a threat, I backed up. She says she has bruises and scratches from the clash. And if they ever meet again, I would tell him to like, don't put your hands on women. Like, what is your problem? The security guard says she plans to press charges. A spokesman for the Marines says they're investigating and that they will tolerate no breach of their core values. Oh, really? Now let's get into it. <laughs> I'm, you know, I love when they say that because, um, these military people, because they're such liars, they 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 allow the raping and assaults on women and and uh, men of LGBTQI, um, you know, experience or I don't know what I wanted to say there, but um, they allow these things to happen and they allow them to stay within the military. Um, so we're just gonna jump right into this story because it's a little long, well, not too long, but um, I just want to get right into it. Proud mother shows off a room dedicated to her daughter, Asia Graham. An American flag, pictures of her time in the army. She loved the military. Mm -mm -mm. Loved, loved, loved. She loved being a soldier. And that's the thing about this kind of um, this ideology that the military is, you know, just so amazing, and they'll always take care of you. It's really for the benefits that people get into the military, especially people who are underprivileged. You know, um, they get into the military for the benefits rather than, you know, fighting for their country as you, you know, you would feel back in, you know, over a hundred years ago. Um, and it's really sad that, that a lot of our kids get pushed into the military, uh, because they have nowhere else to go. So they defend a country that, um, oh yeah, I gotta get back into that story too. They defend a country that really doesn't respect them or treat them with uh, core values as they push that they have such core values. Um, it's just really sad to me that, that we still allow our black and uh, brown kids to get into something where, like I said, they don't care about us. This is Asia taking the military oath after enlisting in 2019. A promise to fend off enemies of the United States, not knowing she would need protection herself from a danger within the military months later. Asia referred to it as the incident. She couldn't tell me her pain. She didn't want to murder me. The incident Asia couldn't say out loud, a sexual assault by this man, Christian Alvarado, a fellow soldier, both stationed at Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas. 
According to the signed confession obtained from the Army, Alvarado told the investigators she was drunk and so was I. We had sex, but she passed out. When asked why he continued to have sex with Asia, Alvarado replied, I was in the moment. During the same interrogation, the 20-year-old was questioned about a second sexual assault allegation involving a different woman. Alvarado told the military investigator that sex with her was wrong due to how intoxicated she was. Had Alvarado been a civilian, a state prosecutor likely would have charged them with a crime. A judge would then have placed them in pretrial confinement or jail to wait for his day in court if he couldn't afford to post bail. But that's not how it works in the Army. Military commanders determine whether soldiers accused of crimes get pretrial confinement. And according to the Army, Alvarado's commander let him go at the time. Alvarado was free to walk around and they put him two doors down from Asia's room. Wow. In the same freaking barracks, same unit. A month later, a third woman accused Alvarado of sexual assault. They should have locked him up as soon as Asia said something. Instead, Alvarado's commanders would later give him permission to leave the base. Why would you grant this guy the privilege of leave knowing that there are three allegations that he's a sexual predator. Jeffrey Korn is the director of the Center for Military Law and Policy at Texas Tech University. He served as a military prosecutor and a public defender. From what I know about the case at Fort Bliss, I would have recommended pretrial confinement. An investigation by our partners at ProPublica and the Texas Tribune uncovered the potential problem. The news organizations analyzed 8,400 courts martial over the past decade. It found soldiers accused of sexual assault are less than half as likely to be placed in pretrial confinement than those accused of other offenses like drug use and distribution, disobeying an officer or a burglar. So you can, you, you know, you can get thrown out of the military for smoking weed, but you will stay in the military if you rape a woman or a man. It's happening in army bases across the country, including Georgia. At Fort Gordon near Augusta, soldiers accused of other offenses were placed in pretrial confinement nearly twice as often than when accused of sexual assault. And at Fort Stewart outside Savannah, it was nearly three times as higher. This is my um, wristband from in jail. Olivia Ochoa understands the impact. While stationed at Fort Wachuca in Arizona, the Army charged her with using and possessing drugs and disobeying orders. She spent 103 days in pretrial confinement, most of that time spent alone. It's like I was falling apart, but every day I was just like, it's okay, I'm okay. You know what I mean? But honestly, I okay. I wasn't okay. No. Achoa stopped eating, barely slept, and began losing her hair at one point. She tried to take her own life. There's no way. You know what I mean? There's no way a person should be treated like this. Achoa doesn't. You know, <clears throat> and then and then you have a story like this, and then you got to think about a solitary confinement in prison. You know, that's that's the same thing. What she went through is solitary confinement. She went to solitary confinement for having drugs, and she is a part of the military. Um. And you heard, you know, she started losing her hair, stopped, stopped eating, all these things. And um, I, I just think it's an inhumane way to treat people 
is to uh, confine them uh, in such a way that they don't want to even live anymore. Um, when these things, such as prison and uh, I guess this pretrial confinement, is you know where you should be rehabilitating people. Think should receive fair treatment after learning commanders did not immediately put Alvarado on pretrial confinement following multiple claims of sexual assault. I just felt like, how did you see me like at the same level as this guy? I just feel like me smoking a little bit of weed is not the equivalent of that in any way. Before she left the army, Ochoa reported a fellow soldier raped her off base weeks before being placed in confinement. Both ah. drinking, she passed out. When I had woken up, so this was retaliation. So she complained about being raped and then they retaliated against her. This happens all the time in the military. This is why I, my respect for, for these kind of situations in the military is, is very low. And, and my respect for the way that these, these upper, uh, you know, lieutenants and all these people, they have... They have such a hold on these young people, and they get a hold of them, and you're scarred for life. She's literally, if you see her, she she seems scarred. You know, she seems like, you know, I I can't see her working a regular life because of what she went through. He was on top of me. He was in the process of raping me. The military found no probable cause to charge her accused. It was pretty clear to me, like, pretty immediately, that no one believed me. I think they just figured, like, she's just a druggie trying to get out of her charges, trying to get some sympathy. A Fruachuca spokesperson said the Army takes sexual assault allegations seriously and conducted a thorough and independent investigation into a choice case. Back in Fort Bliss, commanders finally put Alvarado in pretrial confinement in March 2021 after two more women came forward with sexual assault claims. A military judge found him guilty of sexually assaulting Asia and another woman. He's serving 18 years in a military prison. What this story has exposed is there's this sliver of this whole broader sexual assault response effort that's kind of been overlooked. And that's pre-trial restraint. Asia never got to see her room full of tributes. This is when she was a baby. She died from an accidental overdose on New Year's Eve 2020. Her mom believes Asia was self-medicating to numb the trauma from her sexual assault. As I just said, you know, it's just horrible. You can't you can't expect people to have a regular life after that self-medicating going into depression and taking these drugs to you know forget <sighs> um like i said these the, the military just doesn't care about our people the way you you really would think and and here's um this story where this army lieutenant and i'm sure you i i, I don't know if i talked i maybe i talked about this last year um an army officer uh was pepper sprayed uh during uh being harassed by police officers and you know here he is a black officer and um 
he filed a one million dollar lawsuit and he was given four thousand dollars um when i when i keep saying that our young black and brown people should never join the military i really truly mean it because they don't care about you they don't care about us they don't you know they throw you out to the streets so many homeless black and brown and hell veterans period who are just in the streets and they're homeless and they're just wandering the streets they can't get help you know um i think they said that at at these um the vet places the veteran places where you know i forget the name right now uh where you know you get medical treatment you get help from there was like such a low percentile of black and brown people who were approved for help whereas when there was a white you know former uh or a white veteran they would get all the benefits and then the black and brown people would wouldn't get the benefits um yeah i I, like i said i just keep thinking and saying out loud stop joining the military i get it the benefits and all that this is why when we talk about wealth disparity and all those things and how we should tax the rich it's because of these reasons so that our children are not affected but this is a cycle a vicious cycle of abuse on our people we have breaking news now out of Richmond. Less than an hour ago, jurors ruled against an Army lieutenant who sued two Windsor police officers over a violent traffic stop. Army Lieutenant Karan Nazario was seeking a million dollars in damages from the traffic stop two years ago. 13 News Now is the only Hampton Road station in Richmond covering this trial. Let's get right to Emily Harrison for the update. And just to put in perspective, this man is wearing his army clothing you know he's in full army clothing and this is what they did to him as a black man in the military this is what these white cops did to him knowing he was in the military you're supposed to be treated totally different because you're in the military and they see that they're supposed to you know try to treat you differently because most of them have been in the military. But when it comes to you being a black military person, it changes. And that's why I say to our black men and women who are in the police forces and are, that are in the military. If you're going to do that and, and say you're going to change it from the inside, you must do it. And if you can't, you get out. And you tell the world what's going on. Stop this brotherhood shit that really doesn't believe you. It's no brotherhood. It's no sisterhood for you. There's no real family for you. You don't back the blue. Because they don't care about you. And you see in this country, really, people don't care about, especially white people, don't care about the police when uh, they're against them. We've seen that on January 6th and we've seen it many other times. Most of the times... Um, most of all the time when a police officer is killed, it's by a white person. That's just the truth. That's a fact. I'm not speaking things that are not facts. It's a by a white person that someone that a cop is killed or attacked. But for us on the flip side, you know, we're black first and then military or police. 
And a lot of a lot of you don't know that. A lot of and I don't mean the listeners. A lot of you police black police officers uh, don't know that until it happens to you. In the last 30 minutes, jurors ruled that the two Windsor police officers are not liable in almost every count except for one each. Karan Azario sued them for battery, assault, false imprisonment, and illegal search. It took the jury almost two days to deliver this ruling. In police officer Daniel Crocker's case, a federal judge ruled in August that he is liable for searching Army Lieutenant Karan Azario's car illegally. That so a federal judge said yeah nah you're liable for doing this illegally a federal judge this is what i'm talking about but then on a on a on the flip side of that you get nothing four thousand dollars four thousand dollars that's gone in, in in days in this current climate that's a mortgage payment for some people <laughs> now he's scarred for life and probably expected to get back into the military and do his, 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 uh, you know, do for his country. That is the only charge the jury found Crocker liable on and ordered him to pay $1,000 in punitive damages to Nazario. The other three, including assault, battery, and false imprisonment, are all waived by the jury. Wow. Former police officer Joe Gutierrez, who pepper sprayed Nazario, is liable for assault. The jury ordered him to pay $2,685 in damages to Nazario. Altogether, around $4,000 will be paid to Army Lieutenant Nazario and what was a $1 million lawsuit. We spoke to the lawyers involved for their reaction to the verdict. We're disappointed. It was fair. It was courageous on the part of the jury, given the political climate, and we're very pleased. Uh, he says that because he, the political climate, you know, they, they do this whole, the woke crowd, these racists, they, they love to just um, dwindle down what, what's going on and, and, and not face the facts, but they want to call it woke. Um, speaking of that, um, you know, the Martin Luther King uh, statue that came out this week has been uh, not lauded. Um, it's been made fun of because of uh, the way it looks. And I'm sure you can look that up if you feel like it's in Boston and apparently looks like a, a two arms holding a penis. People are upset and uh, greatly upset. And, and what I saw, some of the headlines was woke culture caused this. That's not what, what, what caused it. You know, um, and, and I hate that they're trying to use that word to smooth over the word racism. Um, call it like you see it. Like, like I don't even do the whole Karen thing because they um, diluted the Karen thing to be just any female that's just angry. When the whole Karen thing started as a racism uh, thought and, and, and it still is um, to me um, and many people. Um, because, you know, a Karen would commit crimes, I feel, against, you know, black children, black men, whoever. Um, but yeah, I, I hate that that woke term has been diluted so much, um, that even we as black people have started to use it 
and in and, and ways that it's diluted. Um, but yeah, uh, military going wild. I don't know what's going on in the military. I don't know what's going on, going on with these police officers. Still never knew. Um, but uh, it's just horrible that this man was put through all this and only given $4,000 is truly embarrassing. And um, I hope he, he never serves. I hope he, he, he never uh, wants to be a part of that. And I hope that our black and brown people realize that serving in this military is just not what it is. And it's not, you know, you may get the benefits, but the hell you got to go through it may not be worth it. We'll be back. All right, and we are back. Um, this is a story that we talked about on the last episode. Uh, this is just a little update. Boy six detained after shooting teacher in the U.S. I wanted to catch back up on this, and then we had to talk about another story where um, a, another child. Uh, where was that story? Where is my story? How did it get away from me? I tell you, I do all this by myself. So. You know, it's a little, it's a little crazy. Um, what did I lose that story? All right, let me get into this, and then uh, oh, here it is. Okay, I can click on that. Uh, hold on one second, you guys. Stay with me. Stay with me. I don't like dead air. Neither do you. I'm sure. Uh, let's get it right here into this. Go. Staying in the states, a six-year-old boy has shot and wounded a teacher at a school in the U.S. state of Virginia. Police say the teacher, a woman in her 30s, suffered serious injuries in an altercation at Richneck Elementary School <coughs> in the city of Newport News. Excuse me. Michelle Hankerson, the news director at WRH, WHRO Public Media in Virginia, has been following the story. We know the six-year-old child is in custody. We also know that the teacher is has life-threatening injuries, that so they are being treated for that. Um, but nothing else has come from the police department. I think parents are scared, especially initially uh, in some Facebook groups, community Facebook groups. Parents were seeing, you know, a bunch of emergency vehicles all racing toward the school, going towards there. And obviously it takes a little bit of time to communicate what was going on. So I think there was a lot of fear, especially considering we, our, our area of Virginia just experienced a mass shooting in November. So I think that was uh, the, the immediate fear. I anticipate we may get some more information um, Monday about potential charges. The child is in custody. The other aspect to this is that in Virginia, we have a child uh, access prevention law, meaning that adults who essentially allow a child to use a firearm, um, if the firearm isn't kept safely or, you know, if for some reason they give a child a firearm to use in an uncontrolled environment, um, that adult can face a criminal charge um, and jail time. So I'm anticipating that we might get some more information about that. Um, I don't think there's been much about that, but um, it's just horrible that, that you know, this is where we are. Uh, and, and the next story I really wanted to get into, um, because that, that happened a few, probably a week or two ago with the, uh, the young child who did that. Um, but now we have another story, which I had before YouTube decided that it was going to play with me. Uh, here it is. Um, this is, that was a six-year-old 
who uh, shot a teacher. Here is a four-year-old who was seen waving a gun on a ring can. This morning, a four-year-old playing with a loaded weapon, waving it around inside of an Indiana apartment complex. So this was all broadcast during a, a television show that follows police officers. Well, now the father of the young child is facing neglect charges. Jenny Runovich reports. Viewers nationwide saw these disturbing images in real time. It, it's almost uh, incomprehensible what you're watching. A diaper-clad four-year-old captured on a security camera playing with a loaded gun, waving around the weapon, pulling the trigger. And he just kept pop out, pop out. I don't know how you can't watch that video, parent or non-parent, and not be, be shocked and disturbed. Oh, I can't. You can't. You can't unsee it. Nicole Summers called 911 and brought police to Beach Meadow Apartments Saturday. She says the little boy pointed the pistol at her son. Then she saw it too. And he was standing in the middle of the hallway and he just kind of was holding it behind his back. And I thought, like, that's a real gun. I'm Dan Abrams and we are on patrol live. What happened next all played out on live TV. A docuseries featuring Beach Grove police was rolling as officers confronted the child's father. Shane Osborne told police he was sick, had been sleeping when his son got out. He denied having a gun in the home, saying he has previous felonies. Then officers found the weapon in the back of a desk. Fifteen rounds in the magazine, none in the chamber. Police arrested dad on felony neglect charges and credit neighbors for taking action. Because you have that immediate video. It's a, it's a really crazy story because the video is even worse. Like they said, the child was actually clicking the, um, you know, um, with guns. It takes a certain amount of pull to actually pull the trigger. Um, most guns don't even go off. It, like if you drop a gun and whatnot, don't go always go off. Um, they can go off, obviously, but they have a certain pound. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but like a five pound, you know, pull or something. I forget the technical term of it, but um, where then it would dislodge, you know, the bullet. And it's amazing. I, I guess they had a safety on the gun because he was, they said he was pulling on it and going pow pow. Um, you know, the fact that this man had this gun and then he tried to lie about it is, is is laughable on his part because you know they saw the video so maybe he didn't know that obviously he didn't know that um yeah uh this is just a more and more horrible i mean you know here's a kid who is in the presence of someone who probably shouldn't even have a child and um the fact that he got to the gun and was able to get outside and start doing things he could have killed anyone he, he it's it's amazing he didn't kill himself, um, which at one point he's holding the gun towards his neck. And it, like I said, by the grace of whoever, it didn't go off. And that's how you know fate is real. I'm hoping that that child is going to be somebody, you know, it's, it's crazy how fate really is. Because if you think about it, he could either be a, a really good person in the future or a really bad person that causes such trauma in the world that you know people come together but that's how fate is you know fate is fate actually brings evil people to the world too to show atrocities sometimes but um i just went on a little tangent but 
you know, that's what I do here. Um, I'm going to get to this next story, uh, just talking about families and mental health and things of that nature and what's going on. Uh, this, this guy, this, this man, um, drove his family off, uh, off of a cliff on purpose. Going over a California cliff in their Tesla, but miraculously surviving. Now the story has taken a shocking turn. Police have arrested the father, who just happens to be a doctor, and charged him with attempted murder. A family plunges over a 300-foot cliff in their Tesla and miraculously survives. Report of a white Tesla off the roadway and vehicle down into the rock. But today, cops say what was initially believed to be an accident was actually a case of attempted murder. Here's Lisa Guerrero. The shocking development in the case of a Tesla careening over a steep cliff is now focused on the driver, a radiologist from Pasadena, California. Cops say he intentionally drove over the cliff with his wife, young son. You know, I'm wondering why they're making this story about Tesla. Um, is it because they survived? Is is Tesla like, you know, let's just make sure that you guys say it was a Tesla because they all survived. I'm wondering if they all died. Would we know it was a Tesla? And daughter inside. The harrowing rescue unfolded on Devil's Slide, a jagged cliff prone to accidents about 20 miles south of San Francisco. Uh, Emergency personnel rappelled down, making their way to the mangled car. Extraordinary footage shows what appears to be the husband sticking his head out from the sheared-off top as rescuers work to free the trapped children. The victims were airlifted with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. We were actually very shocked when we found the survivable vehicle. The suspect is identified as Dr. Darmish Patel. I cannot fathom that it was intentional. Neighbor Sarah Walker is stunned that the radiologist is now charged with attempted murder. They're literally, I would say, picture perfect. I, everything from just, they're always the family that's outside in the cul-de-sac, inviting everyone to come outside mm. with them. Mm, mm, um, mm. Their kids are always on their bikes. They're the kind of family that leaves cookies on your doorstep for the holidays. Mm, mm, in fact, mm. this is ring camera showing the doctor delivering poinsettias to neighbors on Christmas Eve. The hospital where the radiologist works tells Inside Edition, we are extremely grateful there were no serious injuries. We will not respond further as this incident is under investigation. What in the hell was going on in that man's mind? You gotta just think, like, what happened that he would want to kill his entire family and drive them off a cliff. Mental health, man. Mental health. Because a lot of people are hiding behind these large sheets. And, you know, fuck it. A lot of people are hiding behind comforters. <laughs> you know? And they're, they're being comforted by these, you know, going to work every day, being a doctor and having that prestige. And then you got to go home. And... Whew, I want to know more. I, I mean, I don't need to know more but i want to know why you know did he have did he have uh money issues did something come up did he have a gambling issue there's something that had to have happened that would make you drive off a cliff with your whole entire family all right we'll be back all right uh this is i've got questions and one thing we need to get into is um i'm happy that abc oh sorry nbc i'm looking right at it and i said abc uh, NBC. Uh, <laughs> um, that was from the Howard Stern movie, Private Parts. Never seen it. Um, NBC has, uh, 
brought out this story about um, exposing U.S. white supremacy, which we know it's alive and well. Racism has never died because the people in power are still in power. Um, Whether they pass it on to their next generation or whatnot, it's still here, still breathing. And in many parts of this country, uh, especially parts where there's vast amount of land you have these camps where there are many white supremacists who are training for their glory day. Um, just as I've said before, you know, I believe civil war reenactments um, are really just a breathing ground for that kind of situation where these white supremacists are really living in a heyday of, you know, one day we're going to get back to where we need to be. We're going to get back this country and we're going to take it and we're going to do it because let me stop because I'll say something. <laughs> I will say something, um, but you already know how I feel. You've heard the show. It's been uh, three seasons and let's get right into it from the battlefield to from battlefield to Internet sleuthing, exposing U.S. white supremacy. Let's check it out to make sure footage like this doesn't exist. Whoa, whoa, whoa. let's go back. A neo-Nazi group is gathering in Texas, having carefully vetted attendees to make sure footage like this doesn't exist. Mm. Except they weren't expecting Christopher Goldsmith. He served in the Iraq War and today has made it his mission to expose hate in America. That is what an ally looks like. Do you understand what I'm saying about what an ally looks like? It has to look like this. Someone who's fighting them, not like, oh, well, we're marching with you. No, you have to go above and beyond. You know, um, listen, racism and hatred in this country has been long around, you know, um, but the fact that it's allowed is the worst thing. Uh, we've talked about January 6th and uh, that the FBI, the CIA, they all knew about it. They knew it would happen. They knew that these people were birthing this nation or continued nation of white supremacists who, and some brown people in there too, um, who, you know, are here to disrupt this country and, and, and continue fear-mongering um, amongst us, all people. And if you go against them, then you're, you know, they see it as you're against us. So, I mean, or, or you're with us. So, I mean, you're not in the clear just because you don't say the N-word or, you know, you or you do march with us. You're not in the clear like they are against you as well. And um, these these things are all around. So I, I applaud this man. I haven't, even, <laughs> I haven't even gotten into the story by uh, 30 seconds even. But, um, yeah, this is what an ally is supposed to be. This is the Nazi hunting station. Goldsmith shows us how he infiltrates white supremacist and neo-Nazi groups from his office. When I see a swastika on the ground made of firewood that they can burn, I now know this is where the neo-Nazi conference is going on. To get intelligence about this October meeting of the Aryan Freedom Network, he went undercover. After you study these people for years, I can talk like them so I can convince them that I am one of them, right? So they'll let me into their private chats, whether that's on Telegram or, you know, some other fringe app. 
And it was via telegram last July that Goldsmith learned of the event the group was trying to keep a secret. Law enforcement, because of the First Amendment, cannot infiltrate a neo-Nazi organization the way that I do. In October, someone with the alias Daisy Barr, a reference to the leader of the women's KKK chapter a century ago, told him to be ready to be vetted by video chat. What kind of questions do they ask? Their vetting for me to infiltrate the Aryan Freedom Network was just confirming that I was white. Hey, can you see me? I showed them on video wearing a skull mask, which is popular with the neo-Nazis. They saw blue eyes and white around my face, and they said, all right, you're in. A few days later, he got another message to meet up at a gas station in a remote town in East Texas. But this right here was the meeting spot. His team followed the convoy from the gas station to the rural home where members of the Aryan Freedom Network were gathered. They flew a drone the whole way. Rather than put a human being at risk, we send this out to go spot the neo-Nazis. Using the drone footage, he notes the make, model, and license plates of vehicles in hopes his information will help connect the dots between individuals and hate groups. What would you say are your ultimate goals for your efforts here? Our ultimate goals are to make being a neo-Nazi very uncomfortable and expensive. An AFN member initially sued Goldsmith for flying the drone over private property, but dropped it with the option to refile. You've also talked about how you aren't concerned about harassing people, some of these groups, as part of your, your methods. And some people might argue that's inappropriate. What do you say to that? Task Force Butler does not harass or dox people. We, we simply do not do that. What we do is we take away a veil of secrecy that is being... And if you don't know what doxing is, it's where you expose where the person lives uh, so that, you know, the internet knows who they are. And, you know, that question about it being inappropriate, you know, isn't racism inappropriate? Aren't we all supposed to live on this earth together? Being used to hurt people. States is experiencing historic levels of extremist incidents around the country propelling Goldsmith's drive. And if I went back to the last episode, by the way, uh, where I talked about what happened on Twitter when that um, Elon Musk took, the, took over Twitter, uh, there was a rise in hate, uh, so a rise in hate of LGBTQI people by 50%, rise in hate towards Jewish people by 52%, and then a rise in hate against black people by over 200%. Um, that happened once Elon Musk took over Twitter, by the way. He grew up on Long Island with a dream of serving his country, realizing it right after high school with a deployment to Iraq. When you came back, how were you changed by that experience? I had severe post-traumatic stress disorder in Iraq. That PTSD led to a dark period in his life, including an attempt at taking his own life the night before his second deployment to Iraq. Missing his flight resulted in a less than honorable discharge from the army in 2007. Since then, he's been advocating for veterans' rights on Capitol Hill, the very site where on January 6, 2021, some members of the veteran community were among those who stormed the building. He watched outraged, but says he wasn't surprised. Veterans aren't innately drawn to these extremist organizations, but these extremist organizations know how to manipulate veterans. Right. They know how to identify veterans who are vulnerable, mm -hmm. like I was, and they fill these questions that we have with conspiracy theories as answers.
So he founded Task Force Butler to employ other veterans to help him fight extremism. His team members stay undercover while he goes public with information they gather. A true ally, a true hero. This is what I what I say when I say that. I apologize for that. Um, I usually have my phone on. Uh, do not disturb when I do this, but I allow only my mother and my grandmother uh, to be able to get through to me. And that was my mother calling. Um, but as I was saying, um, when you're fighting, when you're fighting these type, excuse me, when you're fighting these types of things, uh, I was saying, I don't know what part ended on it because, you know, I do this, I don't record the show. I, I kind of do it live and I just put it up because um, I like a live show. But um, that the angels sometimes really do have to fight. That angels aren't, you know, just here to play harps and be like sweet. Um, sometimes angels have to really put on the armor and get out there and um, and he's one of them. And I totally appreciate what he's doing. Veterans carry social capital in a way that other folks don't mm -hmm. those who are targeting us with those messages are more likely not just to when they get us not just the one of us not just the one veteran but a social network goldsmith has focused much of his work on the patriot front a group that was responsible for disseminating more than 82 percent of the almost 5,000 white supremacist propaganda messages spread across the country in 2021 according to the Anti-Defamation League. Last June, 31 members of the group were arrested who authorities say were planning to riot at a pride parade in Idaho. I've got access to their rocket chat server, which is like an open source version of Slack. And I'm able to see from the inside, we know that our research has been used to help support at least one lawsuit. That lawsuit filed against members of the Patriot Front who were filmed allegedly vandalizing an Arthur Ashe mural with spray paint in Virginia. The two men were served in November and have not responded to the complaint. They did not respond to requests for comment from NBC News. You know, uh, the, the thought of infiltrating a group is, that seems really scary and potentially dangerous. That is not scary compared to getting in a up-armored Humvee and driving through Baghdad every day for a year. For Goldsmith and his task force Butler team, a new mission here at home, and they say still in service to their country. All right, Courtney Cuby joins us now from the Pentagon. And Courtney, of course, as we just heard before you there from Peter today, is the second anniversary of the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Christopher told you he found Task Force Butler. He founded it after watching the events unfold on that day. And there is sort of a military aspect to this. Do we know how many U.S. military veterans or current service members have been charged for their actions on January 6th? Yeah, that's right. He said he watched that day and he was outraged knowing that there were probably military veterans there. So the George Washington University has this program on extreme... Not that there were probably. There were, by the way. There were. Uh, and many of those people were also a part of the police force. There were. ...that tracks meticulously everyone who has been charged for some role on January 6th. And of the 940 defendants they have on their database, about 118 people have some sort of a military background. The vast majority of those are people with former military service. So most of those would be veterans. But you can see... You know, making, um, making, making sure that you say former that way, 
you know, where it leans another way. This is a, another way that these uh, white journalists kind of uh, give credence to what is going on. Um, there are white supremacists in the military right now. Um, there just is. There's white supremacists on police forces right now. And that's why when you talk about defunding the police and making sure that they go through rigorous testing and, and to make sure who they are is, you know, for the people and not for a certain people, you know, I think that's really important because they are here and they are everywhere. That's just the truth. That's a fact. See, that's still a relatively large proportion of that 940 total people. And those are the exact people who the task force Butler people are trying to target with their efforts here, trying to teach that, trying to expose them and teach them to change their ways. Yeah, more than 10%. Um, do we this is why I've, I keep saying, and I've said several times, not only do black people need uh, mental health uh, help, from racism and what's been done to us as a people um but white people definitely need to go through uh mental health train i don't know exercises training whatever you want to say therapy um because you know a lot of these people are out here on beliefs that are you know far far i, I don't know how to say, how i want to say this um there's just people out there that that think this way and believe it's okay to think this way because they have the first amendment the first amendment in my opinion should never be riddled with hate or supported by hate yeah you can have you know the right to 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 say what you want but when you are uh pushing hate and pushing hate in a way where you're going to go and commit crimes that is where the first amendment should not be disrespected you know what's next for Goldsmith and Task Force Butler? He says that they are not stopping, that they're going to continue their efforts there, and, and they're actually hoping that they can even expand their veteran and uh, volunteer network in the future. So, yeah, that's a, um, this is Lester Holt. This is NBC Nightly News. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what, like I said, what uh, uh, an ally looks like, and, um, before, because I had to do something with the show in a certain way because of that little break. Um, I'm going to take a little moment and I'll be back in a second. Another story that came out recently is uh, this Tennessee police department that um, apparently has um, apparently has been having orgies and, and things of that nature. And uh <laughs> It's uh, it's funny, you know, these kind of things. This is why, you, man, this is why I have my, 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 my thoughts about relationships and things of the nature. When people go to work, they have a whole nother relationship with work people. And um, like, I'm going to read this comment before we get into the story um, with my correspondent, Will, Willie D. Uh, <laughs> my whole family, four generations was and is working for LAPD in California. They store, the stories they told at barbecues about what goes on in these departments and corruption, drug abusers, spousal abuse, cheaters, liars, thieves, rapists, money laundering, arms dealing, drug dealers, murderers, cover-ups of high-level city, county, state members, etc. would make your head spin. doesn't make my head spin because I believe all of it. 
I told my family I can no longer support cops. <laughs> See? I, I told my family I can no longer support cops until a good cop step in and clean house. This was over 25 years ago, and I haven't spoken to the since. I'm sure they're, they're all happy with their pensions without doing anything about it. It's sickening. Very sickening. Um, here's another comment. How come they don't fire them when they murder people but get fired for having an affair? The entire justice system is turned upside down. Law enforcement in this country is out of control. What a wonderful society that we live in. You don't have to have integrity, self-respect, or any of that good old stuff. Do whatever you want, no matter who you are. This is Tennessee. You can do whatever you want to do as long as you don't embarrass us. Um, they ran them drawers faster than they ran the background check. I've heard rumors that police departments get down like this for a while. Affairs with other police officers is very common. I mean, how could you not believe that? You know, here you are working overtime, 18, 20 hours a day, which is crazy. I don't know how, like I said, I don't believe any police officers should be working that long in a day and then, uh, you know, expected to have a level-headed kind of thought um, when they get into certain situations, especially with, with people who don't look like them. Um... But let's get into this right away, uh, or get into this, I should say. What's up, family? Four police officers from the Tennessee town of Laverne were fired for allegedly having sex with a female cop who was also fired and accused of taking off her top at what the local mayor called a girls gone wild hot tub party. Officer Megan Hall of Laverne Police Department is at the forefront of the investigation after it was revealed in December that she engaged in a sexual relationship with at least four male officers. Fellow patrol officers Juan Perez, Lewis Powell, Detective Seneca Shields, and Sergeant Henry McGowan admitted to the accusations according to the report, with Shields claiming he had oral sex with Hall in the department's gym while on duty. Wow. Hall, who is married, is also accused of revealing her fluffy breast. While so, so they were having sex in a public place. Huh. Yeah. At a steamy family Memorial Day boat party with patrol officer Patrick Magliarco, who was suspended, and fellow officers David Durham and Eric Stotts. Magliaco said that Stotts himself, Durham, and Hall were in the hot tub when Hall's top came off before he and Hall went off to have sex in the bathroom, the report reads. Canine officer Larry Holliday and patrol officer Gavin Strobel were also suspended and charged with sexual harassment after exchanging sexual images with Hall. Now wait one cotton-picket minute. How is it they're charged with sexual harassment when the person on the receiving end is down with it? 
How does that work? Yeah, I don't know how it works. And did she get charged with sexual harassment? No. Were they sexually harassing each other? <laughs> I mean, they were sexually fucking each other. Uh, you know, harassment, though. You know, um, that's crazy that 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 would happen. Um, I want to get into another story in a second about sexual harassment and and whatnot in the workplace. Um, but that's really insane that they would get fired for sexual harassment when they were sending pictures to each other. Listen, fam. I'm glad some type of action is being taken because I love it when police officers are held accountable. But this reeks of a deeper cover-up. I don't believe it is what it appears to be. This looks like the upper management has decided heads are going to roll. This thing got out, y'all and embarrassed us. And so now we got to let you go. Meanwhile, this dirty stuff you've been doing over here, all the corruption you've been doing over here, we gonna look at that slide, but you done went too far. Now y'all done had some sex. <laughs> y'all done had some sex on the job. You on the went job. too far now. Too far. I was killing people. That was cool, but now you had sex on the job. You still in that dope, planting dope, lying in court. That was cool, but now you having sex on the job. And hold on, man, heads got to roll. By the way, the wives of. The officers, some of the officers were also on that boat. And they were also allegedly exchanging some sexual energy. Oh, so we're all just fucking. Everyone's fucking. Everyone's having sex with each other. And we're just doing it. And (laughs) I tell you, these little communities, it's like a... this Man, what has happened? The degradation of this world, man. It is, I don't even know where we are anymore. A whole bunch of freaks out there in Laverne. Oh, man. They getting down out there, man. She ain't holding nothing back. Oh, yes. Megan is for the streets. I don't, I don't appreciate that. I don't, I don't like that they're, um, you know... Like the, it says here, a P- Tennessee Police Department ran train on Mary Cop. You know, it's always like a train when it comes to like a woman or she's for the streets. What are these men? What are these men? You know? And a lot of men, and I've talked about this on the show, love to have sex with one woman and a bunch of men. As long as, you know, there's a woman involved, there's a bunch of sex going on. Now that's the real making good right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it Megan bad? Was she really that good? She had to be good. It's all of that. They said it was going on a long time. She was getting down. Megan getting down. Passed around. Ooh, man. They were running that choo-choo on her. Mm-mm. Or was she running the choo-choo on them? She seemed to have a lot of energy. That's what I'm saying. I'm married. She tried to say that her and her husband were in an open relationship, allegedly, but the husband rebuked him. No, 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 no. He said, no, we was not in an open relationship. Fam, listen, fam. This ain't really nothing new. Nope. This happens all the time. Not just in law enforcement, but hospitals. In all sectors. 
in all industries. This happens. It's just that when you embarrass the company, you know, if it gets out, somebody got to pay so they can restore public confidence. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing about public confidence. It's really just a, a figment of everybody's imagination, right? Like, they're really not doing anything to help us. It's really just to control us and keep us in line and shake us down with these traffic tickets and court costs. You know, it's really just a one big old hustle. They really don't care about really protecting the people. They do just enough to make people not run away. Just enough to make the masses not commit suicide. You know, they're going to lose a few people along the way, but just they do just enough to make the masses not commit suicide. They really do not care about the people at all. Even though the people pay them. If they did, they would have fired some of those officers a long time ago because I can guarantee you that many of them have participated in corruption. And many of them knew. That's right. I said it. Many of them. Yeah, if you're going to step out of your marriage, what else are you going to do? I am very suspicious of this entire so-called investigation because what I want to know is why don't they have this same type of energy for cops who violate people's civil rights every day, murder people? Why don't they have that same energy? Because like you said, they wouldn't be able to control the people at that point. If they people if the people really believe that the police are as much as danger as criminals in this country, there would be no as they like, or as the racist uh you know, people who back in the sixties, seventies and eighties and Donald Trump like to say, there would be no law and order. All right. Uh, here's another story I want to get into and just talking about sexual harassment and things of that nature. Um, uh, T.G. Holmes uh, and Amy Robach, Ro Robach, I don't know how you say that, um, her name, but they are anchors on Good Morning America. Um, they were going through separations with their spouses and they uh, kind of fell for each other, as, as, as I just said about workplace romances. Um and they are now together, but they have been thrown off the air. They've been thrown off the air, and they haven't been seen since they uh, they were caught by paparazzi uh, holding hands and being very loving and affectionate towards each other. Um, there is really no reason why they are off the air, and they have questions, just like I do. Here's Cheryl. So Marie Presley. Let's start with the TJ Holmes story. I find this absolutely comical. So if you watch my channel, you know I've been following this story. And I've been saying since day one, when they were suspended pending an investigation, that that was a lie. Okay, they were actually let go. Those were the rumors. Everyone was talking about it. And they were bold. There have been articles coming out saying that they were looking for replacements. But I guess TJ and Amy didn't get the memo. They must not pay attention to social media. These two were stuck in lustful bliss, okay? They've been having the time of their lives. 
They've probably been banging it out every day. Amy's been daydreaming about how happy she's going to be when TJ becomes her husband. I mean, really, they both have lost all sense of reality. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what most couples call the honeymoon stage. You know, mm -hmm. when you're so lustful, nothing else matters. But here's the problem with this situation. This relationship started in the work environment. And not just any work environment. Good morning, America. Okay, you guys were top anchors on a high in-demand job. Do you guys know how many people would want that job? Mm. Not only that, this relationship started out as an affair, which means that you guys were office gossip for months. You guys let it get to the point where people start actually hating you. And not even that, they start demanding that you get fired or they didn't want to work at that company anymore. And I mean people with a lot of pool, i.e. Gail King and Robin Roberts, just to name a few. And while all this was going on, both Amy and TJ didn't realize that they were getting pushed out the company. I mean, really? They thought it was a great vacation and we could spend this quality time together. It isn't until now that these two degenerates are realizing, hey, we might be getting fired. And I really shouldn't say two degenerates. I should say one, TJ. Because just the other day, Amy was saying she doesn't care if she gets fired. She's happy. So now they realize they're getting fired, and now they figure, hey, we better do something about it. Let's go hire some attorneys. And TJ probably had to talk Amy into it because she just said the other day she doesn't care if she gets fired. So they go hire an attorney, and this is the attorney's strategy, okay? I'm not making this up. I'm going to read it word for word. Now, let me be clear. They have two separate attorneys. Amy's attorney is named Andrew Brettler, and TJ's attorney is named Eric George. Now, they're saying that, they're reporting that both lawyers plan to propose a question to ABC. They're going to ask, and I'm reading this word for word because I don't want anyone to think this came from my mouth. This is their bright idea. They're going to ask, has ABC ever used the morals or conduct clause to fire or discipline two consenting adults at equal levels when both were white? Yes, people, you heard exactly what I read. They're going to use the race card. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, uh, Cheryl, because that's a real question. In my opinion, it's a real question. Has it happened? Because we know it has happened that, that two consenting adults have had sex and not been fired. That's not funny. Um, I, and I do believe that because, you know, not believe, but there could be a possibility that, hey, you know, here's this, this black man and this white woman having, uh, you know, this affair and, you know, they don't want that. You know, interracial dating was on the, uh, you know, being on a ballot uh, this past, I, I believe in November, when they were voting, they were trying to go at interracial dating, inter interracial marriages. So that's not really funny because it's a real thing. And people do have a problem with interracial relationships. Um, right, so, uh, let me get back into, let's get into, it's Martin Luther King week, <laughs> really, he only gets a day, but I, I feel like it's a Martin Luther King week, and, um, Joe Biden is in my town, my, my, my state, Georgia, uh, the black people have allowed him to come into another black space and 
laugh and joke and say whatever he wants, even though he's done nothing for black people, even though he said, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. Uh, he has come into the actual church where Dr. King um, presided and, and made many speeches, and um, he's having a good time. Let's check that out. Luther King Jr.'s Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta in the U.S. state of Georgia. His speech marked the national holiday that celebrates the life and legacy of the civil rights activist. Dr. King was assassinated in 1968 in Memphis, Tennessee. Sunday would have been his 94th birthday. We have to choose a community over chaos. Are we the people who are going to choose love over hate? The battle for the soul of this nation is perennial. It's a constant struggle. It's a constant struggle between hope and fear, kindness and cruelty, justice and injustice. You know, at, at points like this, you know, how do you sit in a crowd knowing that he's done nothing for your people and he tells you that we have to be a community and he's done nothing for your people? And you don't stand up and say, Joe, you told us if we, we weren't black if we didn't vote for you and that you would help us. And there's been nothing. Black farmers are still being uh, attacked or you know not given the same thing that white farmers are. Black communities are not being given the same things that white communities and other communities have. Uh, police and, you know, policing has not changed at all. Nothing's changed since the, uh, the protests of 2020 or, uh, was it? Yeah, it was 2020. Um, nothing's changed, but then you were elected and you still did nothing. Against those who traffic in racism, extremism, and insurrection, a battle fought on battlefields and bridges from courthouses and ballot boxes the pulpits of protest and at our best the American promise wins out I asked senior front page editor of HuffPost Philip Lewis about the significance of this speech yes well I think it's very significant it shows that he is um, reaching out and reaching back to uh, black communities right and so Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, day which is the only holiday that celebrates a, a black American and the only holiday that celebrates um, volunteering and giving back. Uh, it's a day that we're, norm we're normally holidays are uh, designated for, you know, relaxing. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day is actually a day of, day of service and millions of people give back and volunteer uh, throughout the United States uh, because it answers one of, one of the questions that Martin Luther King always asks, which was, what are you doing for others? Now, we mentioned that if he was still with us, he'd be celebrating his 94th birthday. What do you think he would think about the rights for, you know, black communities in America today? Well, I, I think he'd be pretty honestly disappointed. I mean, we still have uh, issues of voter disenfranchisement and uh, the wage, uh, the, the gap uh, as far as wages between uh, white communities and black communities in America is, is, is still pretty vast, pretty wide. Uh, so I, he, he'd probably be wondering... Um, Why the fuck is Joe Biden in my church acting like he's done something? That's what he would be wondering, sir. And this is a, you know, a black journalist talking that just said that it's very significant that Joe Biden was at the church. Fuck that.
It's not. It's not significant unless you're doing something. He read words off of a paper. That's what he did. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He didn't say, this is what we're going to do. He didn't say we're going to close the wage gap. He didn't say we're going to stop voter suppression towards black uh, communities. He didn't do any of that stuff, sir. So how is it significant that he made a speech? It's not. And we have to stop. We have to stop applauding these little crumbs that are given when the cupcake is just being passed by us. Whole cupcake, just a, a huge size of a, the, the, the Empire State Building just driving past us. And we're like, oh, my God, there's a crumb. I don't want any crumbs. I don't even want a cupcake. I want equality. I want racism to be stopped. I want a, a plan to to stop racism and stop uh, white supremacy. That's what we want. I want a plan to stop uh, banks denying only black people uh, loans and things of that nature. I want uh, medical disparities in the in, in our communities to stop. I want our hospitals and our communities to stop being closed. So it takes us longer to get to a hospital. I want it to stop. That's what you do when you want to stop something. That's what you do when you come to a church that Martin Luther King used to make speeches at. And you 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 do things like that. You You put a plan into place and you do it. Just like when you decided that Jewish people needed protection. Just like you decided when migrants needed protection. Mexican migrants, Latinos, Asians, they all got stuff. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back. Um, A few weeks ago, uh, or I think it was about a week and a half, something like that. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, um, he gave up a lot of concessions. And I, I talked about this on the last episode that uh, this House Speaker, he gave up a lot of concessions just to become House Speaker, you know, pretty much uh, forfeiting uh, his balls to the Republican Party. Um, And let's just get right into that. Good evening. There is finally a Speaker of the House of Representatives. After four days of defeats and deal-making, Republican Kevin McCarthy was elected to the job early this morning on the 15th try. That's the most since before the Civil War. So, Hector God, yes, I do. Congratulations and God His victory came during a dramatic and sometimes rancorous session. Jeffries. After he fell one vote short on the 14th try, McCarthy confronted holdouts Matt Gates of Florida and Lauren Boebert of Colorado. Tempers flared. At one point, McCarthy supporter Mike Rogers of Alabama had to be restrained. After winning the post that had eluded him for years, McCarthy outlined a conservative agenda that included investigations of the Biden administration. We will hold the swamp accountable. And and speaking of that, uh, the the investigations of the Biden administration, um, there's been plenty. And oh, damn, I really should talk that made a, a major part. I'm sorry about that. Because I don't want you people thinking that um, I support. Well, you you must know that I don't I don't support Joe Biden, 
Um, uh, plenty of classified documents were found in many of his locations or homes, and um, they're comparing that to, you know, what was found at Mar-a-Lago, at Donald Trump's, um, you know, estate. Once he left the presidency or left the Oval Office, he took he stole loads of documents uh, that were supposed to go into the National Archive. And people are now finding out that Joe Biden has also had classified documents. I think there's a there's a major difference in um in what happened, you know, where one person stole documents and was trying to keep them away from uh the National Archive, where, you know, Joe Biden there there was just a lax of doing the right thing and um making sure that classified documents weren't just left around. Don't think that um you know it should ha it should have happened. I don't I think that someone should be held responsible. I don't know who. Um but I don't think that Joe Biden did that. I really don't think that and I'm not a supporter of the Biden administration. Um I do believe that Donald Trump stole documents and picked out what he would take to Mar-a-Lago. And I think that's a major difference. But, um, of course, this guy, Kevin McCarthy, is going to go hard at uh, Joe Biden and his administration just because of uh, the investigation that's being done on Trump. From the withdrawal of Afghanistan to the origins of COVID and to the weaponization of the FBI. So if you're going to go after the or, uh, the origins of COVID, you better make sure to go after the people who decided to do nothing, which includes your man, Donald Trump, who sat and watched millions of American, well, I should say over a million American people die um, when he knew that COVID was around on January 3rd. Uh, on January 3rd of 2020, a memo hit his desk about COVID and he did nothing until March. Let me be very clear. We will use the power of the purse and the power of the subpoena to get the job done. Later, he credited a key backer for helping him get across the finish line. I do want to especially thank uh, President Trump. Mm. I don't think you should anybody should doubt his influence. Mm. All members elect will raise their right hand. The election of a speaker cleared the way to formally assemble the 118th Congress as House members took the oath of office. Congratulations. You are now members of the 118th Congress. Mm. McCarthy's victory came after a series of concessions that give hardline conservatives greater influence in the House, notably on spending and tax bills. What do McCarthy's prolonged battle and the deals he cut mean for his leadership, for the House, and for the governing of the nation? Sarah Binder is a George Washington University political scientist and a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. Sarah, one of the things that, the, uh, that Speaker McCarthy said last night is, what we do here today, next week, next month, and next year will set the tone for everything that follows. What, what, what tone was set by what happened this week? Well, what we watched play out in front of us uh, in levels of detail we're not usually accustomed to on C-SPAN was a very slim, fractured majority trying to get on the same page. And what we saw was the speaker-to-be, uh, in doubt at times, trying to figure out 
how much could he give away to his opponents and would they take it? Would they take these concessions that they were demanding and then give him his votes? Um, we'll see those fractures emerge throughout this coming Congress for sure. In what ways? Tell, look ahead and in what ways are we going to see those fractures? So one of the core issues that divides the holdouts uh, from Speaker McCarthy is the question about the federal budget, federal deficits, and federal debt. And there are two things this Congress, like most Congresses, will have to do. At some point, mostly in the fall, they will need to pass spending bills, get them through the House, the Senate, and the White House, pass spending bills that most recently raise federal spending, both for domestic side and defense side. But his opponents have vowed not to do that. They want to cut. They want to cut both defense spending, which uh, the defense hawks in the Republican Party aren't going to want to do, and they're going to want to severely cut domestic spending. And it's not clear that 218 Republicans even, especially those from swing districts won by President Biden, it's not clear they're going to go along. So how do you keep the government funded and open? Will there be a government shutdown? Do you think any of these concessions may come back to haunt him? Well, I think the key concessions here, first of all, are uh, Speaker McCarthy's willingness and his agreement to put three Freedom Caucus members from the far right of the conference to put them on the Rules Committee, which is an arm of the Republican leadership. That's the committee that decides which bills will go to the floor under what conditions? Will there be amendments? Who will offer the amendments? Mm. With three Freedom Caucus members on that committee, it's going to put them in a position to try to advance their policies, not just to block things on the floor that they've sort of mastered in the past. I think that could come back to haunt uh, Speaker McCarthy. Others will point to this motion to vacate the speakership. Um, that's existed in the past. I, I think. Uh, McCarthy, it's a thin reed that he's standing on already, and that threat of deposing him, it's going to be uh, put a little more uh, behind those threats. You talk about a slim, fractured majority. And, and what, I mean, what, what's going on there, I think that um, there, it's easier to get rid of him as the, the House Speaker. Um, I think that's one of the concessions he gave up, that it'll be easier to remove him. How do you accept a job like that? Like, how do you... You would never do that. You would never accept a job where it's like, well, your shoe's untied, you're fired. You know what I mean? Like, you just wouldn't do it. And he did that. And that shows the type of type of people that we're allowing to represent the people that you will sell your soul just for that position and give anything up for it. That's an issue. You should all have an issue with that. You should all be afraid of what he will allow to get through as long as he has a power, a position of power. That's scary. That's frightening to me. Is it not to you? We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back. This is I've Got Questions, and we're going to get into a man I've talked about on the last episode, um, which uh, he's a disgusting individual, and... um. Actually, today, um, I've seen that there are protests around the world going on with uh, the idiots that follow him. Um, he had a 
university, I guess, where it teaches you how to be a misogynist and, and things of that nature. And now those misogynistic men are out and about uh, protesting that for his freedom. Um, you know, if there's one thing that Black Lives Matter um, protests taught other people is that you protests are real and that they matter. And now we have people protesting for for hate. And um, that's the scary thing. Um, arm up, angels. Arm up, because we are in such a danger. Romanian police are expanding their investigation of the former kickboxer Andrew Tate. Over the weekend, they seized a fleet of luxury cars and raided a luxury villa north of the capital. Investigators have begun looking into allegations that the British-American citizen was running a human trafficking operation from his compound in Bucharest. Our correspondent, Lucy Williamson, has this. Weeks after police came for their owner, they returned for his cars. The power of a Ferrari paralysed in the grip of a dowdy police truck. Insurance against any future compensation claims from victims, but also a sign that investigators here are confident. Whatever the truth about life behind these walls, its secrets are now being scrutinized by investigators. This fleet of luxury cars, the toys of a successful businessman, or the proceeds of a trafficking ring. Police raided seven more properties last week, including this villa owned by the Tates near the Carpathian Mountains. Neighbours say it was fully renovated last year, with a swimming pool added. One neighbour, an electrician, says the builders asked him to help rewire the place. When they explained what they wanted, I told them that's way beyond what I know how to do. The house is extremely luxurious, with things that people like us can't even dare to dream of. If you're living in the Western world, this is probably 40% of the reason I moved to Romania. In an online video, Andrew Tate said he moved <coughs> to Romania in 2017 in part for what he saw as its relaxed approach to sexual assault claims. Police want to know whether he and his brother Tristan lured women here with promises of a relationship before forcing them to work online in adult chat rooms. They're also investigating an allegation of rape. Mm. I've never seen any of them being aggressive. Police have identified six women as potential victims, but last week two of those women publicly denied any mistreatment by the Tate brothers. No, I've never been threatened. If I had been, I wouldn't have been stupid enough to stay in that house. I have a tattoo on my left arm that says Tate girl, which I got out of respect for them. Mm. Andrew Tate's reputation. You know, um, I've talked about Stockholm Syndrome on the show before, and um, if you don't know what that is, um, please look it up because it's worth looking up, and I'm not going to just tell you. Um, Stockholm Syndrome is very real, and I've said that black people pretty much have Stockholm Syndrome being in America. Um, this guy is a monster, and um, he, he, you know, the way he talks about women is just horrible, and I believe that he is running some kind of ring. Um, I don't, you know, you have, you have people who, like these women who have come out, but you got to remember, if you are questioned by the police and then you return home, 
there are going to be people there are going to be people who contact you and say hey here's a here's a whole bag of money here's a bunch of bags or whatever that these you know glazed over women um would like because they were very uh pumped and i say pumped by meaning plastic surgery um <laughs> you know um who will easily defend a man like this because if you are a woman why would you ever want to be around a man like this right if you know what this guy is about you would never really if you were a woman of distinction or a woman of some grace you would never ever want to be around this guy because he hates women he does not think that women are of value he does not think women are of uh, equality so a man like this is not you know something that a woman would want to even take home take home to their parents anything because of how disgraceful he is as a human being um i hope he he's 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 never allowed out and i hope they take everything from him because he's a danger and his online presence is even more of a danger uh another man who uh actually uh i'll be right back sorry about that short um stop there uh another man i was saying um who needs to be looked at is uh dana white who was caught on video slapping the hell out of his wife at a party in public let's get into that ufc president dana white and his wife ann brought it all in but the celebration became <coughs> the video obtained and published by tmz shows white grabbing his wife's wrist as she tries to walk away and Anne slapping him. Then White open hand slaps his significant other not just once, but twice. It all went down in Cabo San Lucas in the VIP area of El Squid Row. Onlookers separated the pair. Now, in the midst of White committing an act of domestic violence, he made a mention of something to this very day remains the oldest trick in the book. White, 53, would indicate there was definitely a lot of alcohol involved, but that's no excuse. Here's a quick question. Why state it then? Right. The question now turns to the old adage. If they do it in public, what happens in private? Mm -hmm. White would say, it's never happened before. It's the first time it's ever happened. People are gonna that's a freaking lie. There's no way, if you see this video, there's no way that that's never happened before. And why, just because of the way he was hitting her, just because, you know, they have pretty much a volatile uh, relationship. You can see that, that they have a volatile relationship, um, which doesn't mean right or wrong. But you can tell that it's happened before. Because if you would do that in a club packed with people, music, everything going on around you, packed in the VIP area, and uh, they were on a terrace where you could see them. You know, it wasn't like a VIP area in the back somewhere. It was an open terrace. It's happened before. Say what they're going to say. It is what it is. And whatever people do say, it's deserved. I deserve it. On TMZ, which has been a safe haven for White, he told the outlet, I'm in Cabo, Mexico for the holidays with my family and my wife and I were out with family on New Year's Eve, and unfortunately, that's what happened. White now joins Chuck Liddell, 
Luis Pena, John Jones, Mike Perry, War Machine, light heavyweight Tiago Silva, NFL player turned MMA fighter Greg Hardy, and many more on the list of domestic abusers in the sport. In 2015, HBO's Real Sports went over a huge problem, and I know there are many, but a huge problem in Dana White's organization. Public records research done by the show found that per 100,000 U.S. men, there was a domestic violence arrest rate of 360. In that same sample, HBO Real Sports found 750 MMA fighters and 210 NFL players. There was no comparison listed between UFC fighters and NFL players, however. That was occurring and published in 2015. They say to always set an example, right? No matter the industry, lead by example. Clearly, over the years, White has set his. Michael David Smith unearthed the following. The UFC has so many toxic fans that within minutes of the Dana White domestic violence video coming out, the MMA section on Reddit had to disallow comments about it because scores of UFC fans were posting about how actually it's okay for men to hit women. Wow. Smith took a screenshot of the Reddit page with one mod announcing the threat is now locked. Discussing whether it's okay for men to hit women is not what this subreddit is about. Look no further, by the way, than Schmander Schmade. After his Twitter spat that allegedly got him arrested, the UFC's Jake Shield, seen here, said Schmate and climate activist Greta Thunberg should blank already, adding, just give her a proper smashing and she will knock it off with her crazy feminist slash climate nonsense, Miss. This is going on everywhere. I mean, we talk about violence against women. This is going on everywhere. And the fact that this man, Dana White, is the head, you know, of the snake, it makes it even more dangerous that there are men out here just like him, uh, Andrew Tate, which I talked about in the last segment, um, these men are out here influencing scores of other men. Uh, goes to UFC President Dana White. Now, this situation happened when we were off for a holiday break, and I actually meant to get right to this yesterday, uh, but I wasn't thinking about it. And I felt bad I wasn't thinking about it because that's probably one of the reasons, you know, Jamie Foxx and D.L. Hughley were criticizing the coverage of the fight uh, that Dana White got into with his wife because it doesn't seem like people are thinking about it. Yes, no. If you haven't heard... Uh, and that's why I keep saying, and I've said several times during this show, when it's a white uh, criminal, you know, no one's really going at it. If you if you talk about a black person or artist, superstar, they blast it everywhere. You know, same thing with Brett Favre. You barely have heard about him stealing millions of dollars from welfare. You barely heard about it. with his wife on New Year's Eve. Uh, let's go to Fox Houston 26 for the report, please. Back to the factor on sensitive volatile New Year's Eve for UFC President Dana White. He and his wife responded, slapping each other. Now, the incident was caught on camera in a New Year's Eve nightclub in Cabo, Mexico. No word on what happened beforehand, but White has since apologized, saying there are no excuses for putting your hands on his wife. That's true. Okay, now listen, do I really have to sit here and have a conversation about why putting your hands on a woman is wrong? Well, I guess y'all, I guess I do, since folks are still out here doing it, you know, I don't care if it's your girlfriend, wife, sister, just know, okay? And not only doing it, but talking about it on Reddit and many other platforms, uh, Telegram, and many other 
places where no one can see that you're talking this way and putting it out there for other people to do it. Heard people saying, you know, she slapped Dana White first, so Dana slapped her back. I promise you in the court of public opinion, that's a scenario you really can't win. I don't know if you can win that in the court of law. I really don't. Maybe a judge will look at it in self-defense. Maybe a judge won't. I don't know. I just feel if a woman puts their hands on you, if you don't have women around you to handle that situation, run. Okay? You can't win. What did Adrian tell Rocky when he was going to fight the Russian? You can't win! <laughs> Before, there were reasons why I could understand, but I don't understand it. Even if you win, what have you won a policy? Why can't you change your thinking? Everybody else does. Because I'm a fighter. That's the way I'm made, Adrian. That's what you married. You can't change what was... Jesus. No, well, thank you, Adrian, for believing in me. Okay, by the way, we don't talk about that enough. The fact that Rocky beat the Russian in spite of Adrian not believing. Okay, so what? She came to Russia with him to train. That wasn't support. She was there because she thought Rocky was going to get killed by the Russian, too. That's true. But back to the matter at hand. Uh, Dana White, is there a double standard in the way the media covers domestic violence in regards to Dana White? Uh, we have seen how the media responded to Chris Brown, different circumstance because another superstar, you know, uh, was the victim. We've seen how they covered... Ray Rice, even though Ray Rice video footage was way more violent, but domestic violence is domestic violence, right? But I saw and heard some people who were defending Dana White. Some folks were saying he's the president of UFC, and when people think MMA, they think violence. So his actions, you know, weren't surprising to some people, but football is violent. Boxing is violent, but I don't see football players and boxers, you know, getting defended in the media. Now, the legends Jamie Foxx and D.L. Hughley, you know, uh, asked some questions. D.L. Hughley said, what can Brown do for you? Apparently not a damn thing. If, they, if that had been a brother, it'd be nonstop coverage, dredging up a playground fight from the third grade, scouring old tweets, you name it. Dana White's entire life is immersed in brutal physical violence. He's amassed a fortune from it. Where are the salacious headlines? Where's the pressure? Oh, he apologized. Hashtag white privilege scores a first round knockout yet again. Jamie Foxx co-signed it and said, effing preach. Now, Dana White did apologize. Let's listen to it. I'm no, we're not going to listen to it. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've talked about it already here on the show that when it's white privilege, is it's just, you know, it takes over and it takes over the media, especially when you have money. When you have money and he's well connected, you know, the fact that it was barely on TMZ, it was, you know, those are his friends, it was barely on several other news outlets, you know, he gives tickets to people, he makes sure that, you know, when you have the money, you can really control the narrative. And um, <clears throat> a man like him can control the narrative because of, of who he's connected to. Um, he's a danger, and, you know, that's not going to change. No matter what I say here, it's not going to change. He got away with it, and that's it. Be right back. Domestic terrorism continues to happen to Black Americans everywhere um, in this this country. Um, has yet to stop. Even after George Floyd, we still have police officers who put their knees and uh, whatever else on the throats of Black people. Has not changed. Uh, Joe Biden has done nothing to change it, and we are still here being harassed, beat down, and. Um, the media does nothing about it. No one's doing anything about it. But um, if we don't keep bringing it to light, it's going to, you know, the times when we need to pay attention and the times we need to fight back, you know, I don't think that 
if we don't talk about it, you'll know to do it. And I, I do believe in these moments as citizens, we have to start doing things because to have people die the way that they died, there's it, gotta be something that we can do. Um, and I, I just don't know what, because you know, they're protected by everyone. And judges and and all the way up the the chain and Joe Biden, like I said, is the top of the chain and he does nothing about it. A cousin of Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors was killed by Los Angeles police after he got in a traffic accident and officers who showed up repeatedly tased him. Footage from the January 3rd encounter released on Wednesday showed that Keenan Anderson, a 31-year-old high school teacher and father, was begging for help as multiple officers held him down and tased him roughly 30 seconds straight before pausing and tasing him again for five more seconds. An officer who first arrived to the car collision at around 3.30 p.m. at Venus and Lincoln Boulevards found Anderson in the middle of the road saying, Please help me. The officer told him to go to the sidewalk and issued commands saying, get up against the wall. Anderson held his hands up, responding, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Anderson complied with the officer's command and sat down on the sidewalk. After a few minutes, he appeared to be concerned with the officer's behavior, saying, I want people to see me and you're putting a thing on me. Eventually, Anderson started to flee, at which point the officer chased him on his motorcycle, shouting, get down to the ground now and turn over on your stomach. Anderson repeatedly responded, please help me, and they're trying to kill me as multiple officers arrived and held him down. One of them placed his elbow and body weight on Anderson's neck, while he was lying on his back on the ground. At this point, the officer standing above him shouted, turn over or I'm going to tase you. During the tasing, Anderson repeatedly said, help me, as the officer told him to stop resisting. Paramedics later arrived at the scene. <clears throat> How do you turn over on your stomach while someone has an elbow on your neck with their whole body over 200 pounds holding you down. How do you do multiple things like that? This is the problem. This is the problem because psychologically you are in, uh, what is it? Flight, uh, fight or die, right? Flight or whatever the thing, you know what I'm talking about. Your body is going through, holy shit, someone's choking the hell out of me. But I'm being yelled at to turn over. I don't know what's going on. I think I'm dying. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Mom, mom. Like George Floyd screamed out, mom. And then I'm being tased. All at the same time. To the hospital, where according to LAPD, He later died four and a half hours later of cardiac arrest. Hmm. All right, fam, here we go again. Mm. Boy, Mm. don't stop. Mm -mm -mm. Y'all know what to do. I ain't got to tell you. 
Anyway, fam, this ain't gonna go over. I'm pretty sure that they know. Nah, after. Because this guy is connected. Plus, this guy's beloved. He was adored by all in his community, all of the students. Everybody just said how great of a guy this guy was. And this, this is what I talk about when I say if you are a black person and you don't stand up for black rights, and you say you don't get involved in that race stuff, you can be next. I know that he's not one of those because his his family is involved in the Black Lives Matter movement. They you know they are part of the organization. But you have to stop believing that you cannot be that one. You're always going to be that one, and that's why it's so hard for a black person, it you know, to just live in this country, anxiety wise, psychological wise. You see it. I'm seeing it right here in front of me. Another black man who looks like me on the ground after a car accident being held down by multiple police, tased and then dead hours later. A teacher, a beloved teacher. Now, what was going on? You obviously had some type of episode going on. I don't know if he was on some type of drugs or something. I don't want to put that on him. Well, you did just now. You should have said that, Willie. acting erratic. You know, you ask for the police. They come. You comply. You already know how they get down. You already know that they got two separate sets of rules for how they police U.S. citizens, depending on the color of your skin. Let me say this before I go any further, fam. It takes an uncivilized mutt to command a human being who's in distress and lying on his back with an elbow on his neck and an officer's body weight on top of him. Just said that. To turn over. So that you can cover when that ain't even necessary you already have the capacity to perform that duty or that action he wanted to kill that dude in my opinion i think he wanted to kill him Why well, there's a lot of people out there who just want to kill get get their kills and there's a lot of cops out there who, and, and we're talking about the LAPD, who have tattoos of how many uh, people they've killed. We've talked about it on the show, how there was a, a, a cop out there who bragged at a bar of, of killing over 13 black people. These people exist. Your president does nothing but show up to MLK's church and talk to you about the community. Sickening. Would you do something like that? And let's address the elephant in the room, fam. Black police showing off for the white cop. Mm. How does this uncivilized mutt face his family 
knowing what black folks are up against in this country, where you typically have white cops killing black people with impunity, you see what's happening. You know, you dirty low-down mother, you know that same thing could happen to you. <laughs> Yet you give this brother no compassion whatsoever. You don't give him any kind of... You don't say... It don't even occur to you when he says, y'all trying to George Floyd me. It don't even snap into your little pissy brain. Because there are black cops out there, and I've spoken to one, that believe that black people are just complaining or just whining. There are black cops that really think that way. I've spoken to one. And he grossed me out after that. You're a gross human being. Because when you are not in that, and even if you were in that uniform, we talked about the, the, the army veteran who was pepper sprayed. Even when you're in that uniform, they will take you out. And here you are as a black cop following uh, orders, following the, the man, being the bull, being the boy for that man. Wait a minute. Maybe this ain't a good idea. Don't want to hurt the brother. Don't want to kill the brother. Don't want to get myself in no trouble. Don't want to go to prison. It don't even occur. Their actions are indicative of how lenient the judicial system has been in regards to officers who are corrupt. Officers who <coughs> authority, who stretches authority. Excuse me, guys. They don't punish them frequently enough because if they did, they wouldn't have the incentive to continue the bad behavior. And that's the thing. If you're not uh, arresting these cops and sending them to prison, why would I think as a police officer I'm going to get in trouble? The probability of a police officer getting in trouble, getting sent to prison, is very low. Just because they're police officers. Not because they didn't break the law, just because they're police officers. And it's not hard to convict a police officer if they're doing something illegal. But in this country, the thought is the police are, you know, top tier or you follow the police. You know, we've been trained to literally, we've been hypnotized to believe that police are really heroes, superheroes. That we don't pay them as if we don't pay them, I should say, as if they shouldn't be servants of us and not servants of getting us drinks, waters, and, and, and food, servants to protect. That man needed protection and they did nothing but kill him. You know, uh, being black in this world is a danger. Getting into the next story, uh, an Arab woman attempts to justify anti-black racism that uh, comes from some in her community. Let's get into this with our correspondent, Philip Scott. Formed a lot of us, black people, about why some of her people don't like black people. Let's go ahead and roll that. 
Why do Arabs hate black people? I was asked that question. Arabs don't hate black people. Newsflash. Okay, the prof our prophet Muhammad وسلم, his imam was a black guy named Bilal. So they have. First of all, yeah, <laughs> you know the vocal fry is killing me. First of all, all ple- people came from black people. By the way, you know that's what black people need to start saying. That all people came from us. The first people were black. That's been broken down by scientists. Uh, and the reason why we have all the chromosomes and that some other people are missing those chromosomes is because they started to have incest and, and dilute the black skin off of them as they moved to more northern or colder territories. But all people came from black people. Nothing against the black race. It's just majority of Arabs or Muslims that dislike black people have either been wronged by them or like some way wronged or have heard stories um, of multiple people being wronged or like. She can't even say anything. She has nothing to say. She has nothing to say. She just wants to keep the story going. They've been wronged, like, but I don't have any actual factual information, but they've been wronged by black people. You've been wronged by white people more than anything, and you you damn go after black people? You've been wronged by white people for so long, and that's who you go after. Child taken advantage of or murdered or something by that race so they hold a grudge against that race particularly but not all arabs hate black people it's against our religion to like discriminate against skin color especially since there are a lot of black muslims and we don't judge about them so it's majority of whenever Arabic people are like cautious about black people, it's either because something happened or they just heard a story. For example, my 11, how do most people compare Arabs or associate Arabs? That's the perfect example. You know, there's many stories that's been covered over the years. You know, Sister Wangel has covered a little bit more of them than I have of Africans going to Arab countries to, you know, be domestic workers, and a lot of them have been abused, some of them have been deleted, and I'll say... Enslaved. ...many times before, stop leaving your country and going over there. But this woman's justification for, you know, her people not liking black people sounds no different than what a white supremacist would say. Well, I heard stories. Not that you did anything, but I heard stories. So stories supposed to justify um you having uh this disdain for black people now i I will say not all arab people hate black people i i get that i understand that i even have subscribers who are arab i remember one time i went to the car dealership and this this arab brother you know um he 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 came up to me and him his wife and his children he said he loved the show and he took pictures with me and everything so I mean, hey, like I said, I got subscribers of all communities, and I always said, I'm cool with individuals. If you rock with me, I rock with you. I celebrate with you. I'm your friend if you're friendly to me. I've always said that, and I just open support of whole groups. 
uh, we can't be on that because black people got to fix their issues and problems. But if you're, but if you are a true ally as an individual, hey, I'll definitely be an ally with you on an individual basis. But this is my thing that I want to, you know, just kind of say too. Whether it's some Arab people who have this disdain for black people, or whether it's, it's you know, some Asians, some Latinos, some Native Americans, some whoever, white folks, whoever, right? We haven't done nothing collectively to none of these groups of people. Nothing. Not one thing. Now, what I will say to, especially to the Arab people in the, the so-called Middle East, the people that you should be angry at, you're not. Mm, just said that. Last time I checked, black people, Africans, etc., didn't go drop bombs in your countries and literally leveled it. <laughs> it wasn't black people that did that. Not a one. It was white folks, whether they have a British accent or not. You understand? Yeah, you don't have those feelings about them. Nothing. You don't you keep that energy. Me. You don't keep that energy. And that's my issue. They face smiling everything. You, 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 it's no so, it's no stories about any of that, right? It's no stories about how they dropped a bomb and, and, and took out a bunch of your children or how they dropped a bomb on a hospital in, in, in your country. It's, it's, it's no stories about that. No, no justification of, uh, of having those same attitudes toward these folks. But black people who never did anything to you, never did anything to you. Some black people just want to come to your country just to get a job, to work. Mm. And they being treated this way. I always say, why do you love the people that cause you the most pain mm. and hate the people that cause you no pain? Because of Stockholm Syndrome. We need to start speaking more about that. And, and if black folks really want to get on some disdain and hatred, they should actually have that feeling toward your people, ma'am. Because your people started the slave trade first right. with Africa. You started it. before The white man to learn the game from you, and he just did it better than you. And he built his whole empire off of it. But y'all started doing it first. And, and and just to come out of that for a second, um, you know, I've been I've worked with a lot of Arab people and yeah, there's a lot of racism that they push towards us. And especially if you're the only black one, I was treated horrible by Arab people. Horrible. I had to fight for myself every day at that job because these people had uh, you know, and a lot of Arab people worked in the in, in the force that I worked in because they couldn't couldn't work anywhere else so they had their families as managers district managers and all these things and it's such a hard fight to go against them when there's so many of them and there is a, a hatred that they have towards us um as many others you know races asians and some hispanics and whatnot because it's, it's, it, it, I, I guess it makes it feel good to, to be able to hate someone because you've been hated on all your life as well. Now you get to it, it push out the hate that you've been given. And like I've said, and like he just said, you're mad at the wrong people. You're not mad at those people. You're okay with them. You bow down to them. You will let them in your house and do anything, but they bombed your country. You have no problem with them. You're not going crazy and, and talking about stories. 
it's just, it's, it's, you know, get, getting down to some of these comments. Let me look at some of these comments. Um, uh, do people ever get tired? Black people do not care if you, if you like us. We care about you leaving us the hell alone. And that goes for all nationalities. This is why we as black people need to stick together more and be close with ourselves because other races are hating us for no reason. And it's the sad part is, again, with the Stockholm Syndrome, we have a lot of self-hate. That's just because we've been taught to hate black people. Everyone's been taught to hate black people. So how do you think that black people, uh, some black people are? You know, there are lots of black people who, uh, who have self-hate, period. They just are. Self-hate in the black community is large. It's a large amount of people who, who self-hate because they've been trained to think that way. Um, black people need to worry about black people. We stand up for black people. If we do that, we will rise beyond anyone. This situation further demonstrates that we have no friends. Separation is a must, and it's our duty to heal and maintain our community. Family, we must get and stay on code. Uh, I truly believe that, and um, be right back. All right, y'all, and uh, <clears throat> our last story of the day, and excuse me, um, I have this uh, diffuser on. I've, I haven't used it. I found it in, in one of my um, storage places. Um, since I moved to Georgia, I actually <laughs> never opened the box, and I was like, what's in this box? And um, I found this diffuser that, um, you know, gets... It's uh gets your spirits going. Um, the scent I put inside of it uh it said grounded. So checking it out and I don't know over the last forty minutes or so um <clears throat> it's definitely taken over my throat. Um, but the last uh story uh for today's show um is something that I think that all Americans need to pay attention to whether you're white, black, Asian. Hispanic, whatever you are, um, we really need to really get into this topic and uh, talk about it more because our, our rights are slipping away from us uh, very shortly. I feel, you know, there's going to be more of this. And um, you see it now where there's actual police departments telling you, you know, let us uh, get into your ring cameras and your cameras, uh, you know, to help stop crime. And I don't believe any of that shit. I really don't. And I, and I implore you not to do it. I implore you to stop it because once you open that door, it's going to be open forever. Um, this facial recognition tool could be the end of privacy and it will be. Here we go. on January 6th, nearly a thousand people have been charged with crimes. Many of them were identified by amateur investigators who ran photographs through a new facial recognition software called PimEyes. PimEyes is vastly more powerful than other types of image search, and it's available to anyone. It uses machine learning to match a photo to one of the estimated 2 billion faces it's indexed, even pictures taken years earlier. Facial recognition websites have also been used to identify suspected war criminals. Journalists use them too, like I've used them to identify sources. 
But what people don't realize is that even if you haven't been accused of anything, the technology impacts you. It could fundamentally change the nature of privacy in public space. This is why when you all had issues with wearing a mask and you were telling people, I don't want the government telling me what to do. I said, are you fucking stupid? Are you, are you that dumb that when you have a chance to wear a mask and not be asked, why are you wearing a mask? You decided, I don't want to wear a mask. They took pictures of y'all. I mean, they've been doing it. But now, you know, here you are showing your face everywhere and you had a chance to hide your face. Ridiculous. For Cher Scarlett, the technology has made public a trauma she'd repressed. When she was 19, Scarlett was coerced into performing sex acts on camera. For years, she blocked out the memory until she found photos of herself on Pym Eyes. Was it the first time that you had seen these images was on Pym Eyes? Yes. So I knew that this thing happened, but it wasn't until I saw them on Pym Eyes that I knew every object that had been used or everything that happened to me and so you know it's kind of one of those things where yes I, I i felt violated again like it like it happened again where are the images now what if i get one from when i was 19 and it'll pop up are you bracing yourself yeah pim eyes yeah that's so that this is the picture that i first saw that i was like what is this x x x pics this is, yeah. I literally just thought, like, who would Photoshop my face into a deep fake photography? And within probably five minutes, it dawned on me that wow. this was the thing that I had. All right, guys, let me pause this for one second. I'm what looking at this website. Um, I think you have to sign up for it. But, um, wow, I, I never even heard of this. Uh, it's called PIMEYES, P-I-M-E-Y-E-S, Face Search Engine, Reverse Image Search. Upload photo and find out where images are published. Wow. Let's break this down a little bit. Let me check this out. Pricing plans. Yeah, price. Shoosh. Uh, pricing plans for it. Uh, open plus monthly plan, 25 searches daily, $29.99. <clears throat> they have another plan, $79.99. Um, you get PMI alerts, dedicated support. What the hell? What in the hell do we have going on here? I have never heard of this, and I am literally uh, flabbergasted right now. This is insane. Um, you know, I never really stopped with talking on here. Um, this is nuts. This is nuts. There's an advanced version also for $300 a month. Unlimited searches, PMI alerts, dedicated support. Oof. Wow. Um, let me. You, you really must look up this website. It's um. Yeah. Sheesh. I don't know where we're going. It's been the effect on you to have these images easily findable. 
by anyone. It has been a, a new source of harassment. And I'm sure, you know, my talking about it has made it worse, but there's no, there's no way for me to reconcile not talking about like truly the, the most, you know, terrible possible thing that this website can do without putting myself out there like that. You know, there's nothing I can do about them being on the internet at this point, but like maybe I can stop software from like operating in, in this way. Scarlett has good reason to be concerned. Pemites has become a major destination for trolls. There are hundreds of threads like this on 4chan, which is an online message board that attracts like reactionary trolls where guys try to crowdsource the identities of women that they know or online models in order to dox and harass them. It's really popular to post threads asking other users to use their pro Pemize accounts to find pictures of women. From just a couple days ago, this person is saying, anyone got Pemize? trying to see what this whore has out there. Wow. I'm pretty sure that this person has no idea that someone who knows her is soliciting nude photos of her on 4chan. Wow. Actually looks like it worked. Fuck. They're calling it a win, which I think means that they were able to find explicit photos of that person. I wanted to know why someone would do this, and I actually found a thread where someone explains themselves. We hired a voice actor to read it. I enjoy doxing girls for fun. Ask me anything. I'll find a nude I really like, and she becomes a target until I find her. Pimeyes works at restaurants, concerts, and corporate websites. I found girls through a clothes-selling website, others who attended concerts and were mentioned in captions of pictures. If I find a nude of a girl with a face, I'll run it through Pimeyes, and usually I'll find a picture of them that leads to their identity. I don't even get off to the nudes. I get off knowing I've hurt them and made their lives harder. Pemize does offer ways to hide images you don't want found, both through a free option and a more comprehensive service that will try to remove images from the internet entirely. It costs between $40 and $300 a month. What do you think of that business model? Uh, it feels like extortion. Like, the only reason I need to hide these images is because of your software. I shouldn't have to pay to hide them because of your software. Like, you're the one who's creating the problem. And then they sell the remedy. Exactly. Pemize was launched in 2017 by two software developers from Poland. Today, it's run by a cybersecurity academic named Georgi Gobernidze. For his day job, Gobernidze studies violent extremism. He sold his beach house and mortgaged his and his brother's apartments in order to buy the company. At this moment, I think that PMIS is one of the best tools for just ordinary people to know about their online presence. Because there are cases when pictures of people are simply used without their knowledge or consent, and they need a tool somehow to find it. When I research PMIS online, the majority of people I see are trying to dox adult models or use it for stalking. I can actually say the opposite side of PMICE as well because we have porn actresses, our clients. We perform takedowns for these people as well. Is this service a remedy for a problem PMICE created? Which is the problem of having your face be identified with images that you do not want to be found? So I don't think that PMICE has created the problem, first of all, but PMICE offered solution 
But doesn't PEMIZE exacerbate the problem of stalking, even if it didn't create it? I don't think so, because PEMIZE is a tool which search for websites, and tool needs to be used with responsibility. Because if someone is performing stalking, it's... This is the thing. If there... You can't say that and then not have a way to stop people from... I don't want to say this. He said that it has to be user responsibility, but you allow anyone to join. You allow anyone to be able to do this. You allow anyone. If I was a group of men who wanted to stalk women and we all put in $10... To have a PIMIZE account of, you know, this $300, uh, this $300 a month thing where I can get unlimited whatever, you know what I mean? You are, this is not responsible. Wow. Um, PIMIZE is an online face search engine that goes through the internet to find pictures containing given faces. PIMIZE uses face recognition search technologies to perform a reverse image search. Find a face and check where the image appears online. Our face finder helps you find a face and protect your privacy, but it also allows your privacy to be invaded. (laughs) That's like these drug companies who give out drugs, but also have rehab centers. It's the same thing. It's a, um, like this is really and truly dangerous. Yeah, this is very dangerous, and uh, I don't, I don't think there's any way to really stop this. Um, let me get to. Uh, I think I'm talking about the remedy. Let's see. Not a search engine that performs stalking. It's a person that decided to do it. But it's a new type of search engine that most people, when they put their images on the internet, didn't think that would ever exist. Right? It's a, it's a search engine for faces. Isn't that fundamentally different from something like Facebook or Google? Yes, it's different. So why not? That's, I think, the pretty interesting stuff because it was time for this kind of thing to appear. One of our purpose to make this public, actually, was it to make people, make the technology accessible for ordinary users as well because facial recognition technology already exists. It is used by governments. It is used by banks. Why not ordinary people? should have accessibility to this kind of technology when this kind of technology is only like locked in the hands of a narrow circle that simply can lead us to tyranny the company says it's so far helped take down more than twenty thousand images mostly revenge porn but PEMIS is also under investigation by a german regulator for potential privacy violations in the u.s there are no federal laws restricting facial recognition Instead, questions of privacy have typically fallen to the Federal Trade Commission, which is still trying to figure out what rules it can put in place. So what I think a lot of people don't realize is that facial recognition fundamentally changes the way people are tracked. It used to be that you could just be a face in the crowd. We are fast approaching a world where that is not possible. Is this a case where the technology is just far outpaced our ability to regulate it? I'm optimistic about the ability to put common sense limits on this technology for private citizens to use it. We're not there yet. Unfortunately, there is no permission slip for technology in our country. If someone develops the technology, 
you know, they can deploy it. And so I do think it makes sense to step back and say, do I want anyone to be able to identify me? Whether or not they are law enforcement, a private citizen, a company I've heard of, a company I've never heard of, that's a question that needs to be asked. And I'm afraid that we're not asking. Do you think there are any benefits of pervasive, publicly accessible face recognition? I think there are benefits to private use. It was useful to be able to open my phone with my face. Now, I think that's very different than anyone on the street anywhere being able to identify me by clicking camera. Cher Scarlett is still trying to hide her images on PimEyes using their free opt-out service. But so far, it hasn't worked. Do you think that the people here realize that any photo they appear in could be used to identify them on the internet? Absolutely not. There's no way. Do you think that will change the way people interact with public space? Yeah, I, I do. It's, it's changed the way, you know, that I interact in the public space. Like, you don't realize how violating it feels to have somebody tell you where you've been or what you've been doing. Privacy is a human... When you think about, um... <clears throat> going to Walmart or wherever, right? And they have those cameras at the checkout or these are, this is exactly what we're talking about right here. Um, where you're in a public space and you feel like, you know, that's why even as a photographer, I tell people all the time, if you're in a public space, I can take your picture. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm, I'm not that I'm a part of the problem, but... I, I know the the laws of that, you know, but this is something totally more invasive. Right, and that's why it should be protected, regardless of whether or not um, you're doing anything wrong. Wow. That is, um, that is really something to, to really think about and, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you see my voice has gotten much more somber because it's something I'm really sitting here thinking about um, how how dangerous this website is or how dangerous. Uh, yeah, that that just brought my anxiety way the hell up. <laughs> so I'm going to, uh, we're going to, wow. You know, I didn't think ending on this, um, I would find this out about this facial recognition. Uh, tool I, I I never heard of it and um I'm I'm really really in shock um yeah um yeah wow this is uh I, I I've got lots of questions really <laughs> I usually say I've, I've got no further questions but wow wow guys um I'll see you in the tomorrow uh no further questions at this second all right, be, be safe out there, y'all. Mask up, I guess, right? Mask up.